Hello and good afternoon, everybody. You are listening to Spirit Live Radio. My name is Nick Robinson, your host of Take to Take, here on Tuesdays at noon on Spirit Live. Joined today, as always, by Luke Burrows and Patrick Tallon. Wasn't a very eventful week in the NHL in terms of news. Bit of a slower week, probably since we started this show. But nonetheless, we do have a good amount of topics to talk about today. So I'm going to just dive right into it and throw it to you, Luke. And uh, I believe we're going to be talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning right off the top of the show. Absolutely. So last night, the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, I mean, everyone saw it coming, but the Tampa Bay Lightning officially clinched the President's Trophy, um, doing so in 73 games, um, which is the least amount of games in between the years 2000 and 2016. Um Looking at most games, most clinch come between around 79 to the end of the season. If Tampa Bay gets nine of their possible 18 remaining points, which would be 125, they will finish with the second most points since 1986, behind only the 1996 Detroit Red Wings, who had 131. And just for reference, the record is 132 held by the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and also, I should mention, Detroit fell to Colorado in the Western Conference Finals in uh, six games. So, Tampa Bay Lightning, they're a good team. Um, not sure if that's a hot take. They're a, a pretty <laughs> a pretty darn it's a pretty, good team. pretty reasonable take. <laughs> that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a... It's about as reasonable we're, as we're going to get on the show. That's a frigid take. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what do you guys think? Tampa Bay is sitting miles ahead of everyone right now. Uh, Stanley Cup. I think anything short of a Stanley Cup is a disappointment. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know. I the, think at this point, yeah, definitely. I know people like to pull the well playoffs. Anything can happen, but anything short of a Stanley Cup victory would just yeah, be for unbelievably the, bad for that team. For the Lightning right now, I think already last year they had a good regular season, and I think for them losing to the Washington Capitals in the Eastern Conference Final, I think that already for them was a pretty big disappointment because by all accounts, I think uh, on paper they should have won that series, but. Uh, as we saw Alex Ovechkin and Braden Holpe sort of willed them to victory in that series. And I think that was already very disappointing for Capitals fans, or sorry, for Lightning fans. So that they obviously came into the season with a lot of expectation. They, I think they've really exceeded everybody's. Uh, I certainly didn't think they were going to be this good. Kucherov especially is just willing that team right now. It's unbelievable to see. So at, at this point, I mean, Tampa's been good for uh, quite a while now, but they just haven't been able to perform in the playoffs is there anything different about this year, do you think? Or is it sort of, you know, expected? Tampa, yeah, they're good, but, I mean, I'm not going to pick them to go to the finals, so. You're not picking them to go to the finals? I'm not, no way. Who do you have? Uh, I mean, I kind of like Boston again. Okay. But you're picking yeah. Boston over Tampa? <coughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't think I'd have to say that today. I don't want to set that in stone, but, yeah, I'll probably go with Boston. <laughs> That's a hot take. It, it is. And that's early. We it's just really we just started. I, I that's don't... very hot. We just started the show. Okay. Well, show's over, guys. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. No. I think I think most people would consider that pretty hot because the Lightning right now look like an unstoppable machine. But yeah, but they've looked like that for yeah. They've they, for this, that. That's this has happened fair. before. That's fair. It is. That's it has fair. happened. So yeah. Is there I've, anything different about this year, or is it just much I, of the same? I feel like certain teams, when they're faced with adversity, or they know for sure that their lineup isn't a hundred percent full in every aspect of every position then they're gonna they're bound to have more success like we saw with with washington um last year that wasn't really it was a complete team but you know it wasn't as strong as say other teams and i think i have washington pushing for yet another stanley cup this year if that's a hot take but i don't have boston beating tampa if any yeah i i, 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 think I can't see boston beating tampa i, just, I think it's pretty hot at this point to say anybody but tampa bay coming out of the eastern conference but it is pretty for it, it, it is 
Um, I think you can definitely make the argument. I can definitely listen to any argument of anybody beating Tampa Bay because, again, last year just it managed to fall apart when they needed to win against Washington. Um, and this is pretty much the same team on paper than the one that, like, compared to the one that lost last year. It is the same team. Largely, I think just you have another year of experience with Braden Point, and he's playing out of his mind. Nikita Kucherov is having an absolute career year, and this is one of the most dominant seasons. an understatement to say that. Yeah, yeah. we've seen from a single player in, like, a decade. It's unbelievable right now. Like, the fact that Steven Stamkos is, like, I don't know, your fourth best skater is, I don't know if that's a hot take, but I don't think it is Mm -hmm. at all. Um, The fact that he's playing right now, like, their fourth best skater is, like, that's crazy for me. So um, I think... They are the, still the team to beat in the East, obviously, but I can listen to an argument. If you if you were to tell me, like, you could make the argument for me that Boston can take them out. Okay. And this, this could sort of segue into the John Cooper discussion because earlier this week, Bob McKenzie reported that they're looking to extend John Cooper. Um, he's been coaching for, what, five years there? Six. Six years. Since March 25th. Um, Longest tenure in the NHL, I believe. Yeah, so the he reported that Cooper loves living in Florida, um, he lives with his, you know, great family relationship, and the team loves him. Um, the question was w- more about what he makes, because right now the highest paid coach right now is Mike Babcock, obviously at six point two five million. Below him is Quinnenville at six mil, and below him is Claude Julien at five mil, and then you have Vigneault at four point one, and then Trotz at four. Um, the average salary is two point three, and John Cooper's making two point two five. I'm not sure what range he gets. I don't think he gets anything over four mil. I don't know if that, that I think that'd be a bit of a reach and I also his his record is 243 wins 143 losses so well, I think but like, like is it is is the so much of the success in the team on him or it's it's I, I, I like, don't think it matters I think that Tampa has something going on and don't mess with that I think bring Cooper back um I mean, I'm I'm not familiar with. I, I like salaries, I like but. your point of don't mess with that because the last thing you want to do with this team right now, with how good it is, I think there's already going to be a lot of turnover coming in this off season mm-hmm. because that team is in total cap parity right now, and the last thing you want to do is say they have to lose a guy like yeah. Braden Point this off season. The last thing you want to do as well is throw in losing John Cooper on top of that, yep. and I think that would be like that that would be a huge loss to that organization and. Any other team in the league would be happy to snap up John yeah. Cooper and pay him like an elite coaching salary. So um, I think they got to do whatever they like. Coaching obviously doesn't count against your cap. So I think the Lightning should pretty much just throw whatever he's asking for at him. Yeah, there's no reason not to. Like, there's no, yeah. there's not really another option that y- you can, you can even make, entertain. You can make the argument right now that he's the best coach coaching in the NHL. You can make that argument Absolutely. for sure. Yep. So I think you got to pay the big coaches big money. So. John Cooper extending in Tampa, it it's got to happen. All right. Uh, the, next, what did we want to talk about? It was what the Matt there? Duchesne rumor with signing back in Ottawa because Mark Savard believes that's a possibility. Yeah, th- th- this was again mentioned by Elliot, Elliot Friedman, right? Yeah, and Jeff Merrick on the Thirty One Thoughts. Yeah, so that's that's pretty interesting. I know, uh, I know that uh, he did. Uh, Mark Savard did tweet that right after the Senators traded him to Columbus at the deadline. Um, so that, that one's been actually floating around for a few weeks. I think it just gained mainstream attention when, uh, on the actual podcast, he was there and talked about it. I think that just made it a bit more mainstream, but, uh, it's an interesting proposition. I think the, uh, 
Ottawa Senators do need quality quality veterans uh, to help build this team around because they got such a young group right now, and they're going to be an interesting team to watch next year. I think. Uh, I think Matt Duchesne, on top of all that, would be that. That's a good piece. Like that's an ad that they desperately need. They the Senators need a win in terms of a player or contract negotiation more than any team in the NHL right now. They're desperate for just a win. And I think Matt Duchesne re-signing would be a massive win uh, because of the assets they got for him. But wouldn't that go against the sort of rebuild they're trying to aim at? If you're going to be a young team and want to... Well, I, I look at it like the Leafs, with their rebuild, held on to James Van Riemsdyk and Tyler Bozak, and both of them contributed contributed pretty well to their uh, to their team last year before they had to let them both walk however um i think every team sort of needs a couple of guys to keep around throughout sort of a rebuilding process like even tampa bay went through a bit of a retool at one point uh stamkos was still young but obviously you hold on to stamkos you you want to hold on to guys that have been around a bit more uh you want i i, I think the senators need a matt duchene type because I'm not convinced anybody else in their pipeline right now is going to be as good as Matt Duchesne. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with. I mean, it depends on what um, what the contract is, but I don't think there's anything wrong with you know thinking about the idea of bringing him back. Um, it's I don't think it's going to absolutely change the course of that organization, but I I think it's a safe bet. I, I think it would help accelerate the rebuild too. Yeah, they they, agree. they absolutely need someone um, of that uh, caliber and experience. Um, Duchesne sure fits the bill, but uh, it's it's. I don't think it's anything major. At the end of the day, it's putting bums in the seats next year, and that's already going to be quite the difficult task um, because of the amount of turnover there's been, and there's so much uncertainty over what this team is exactly going to be next year. So I think adding a player, like re-adding, I guess, uh, a player like Matt Duchesne would be a home run for this organization. But it all comes back to what does Eugene Melnick want to do does he want to pay Matt Duchesne I'd still rate this as an unlikely occurrence that Matt Duchesne resigns but uh it'll be definitely some, one of the more interesting things to follow in the how much would you pay him he's getting sick what six mil now I, I'd give him the eight, eight eight and a half that was reported that the senators were offering I'd give him that for sure and I think he's going to fetch that on the open market if he hits it and uh, again, it, this goes. I think more beyond. It goes beyond money for Duchesne. I think he really liked. It. He, you could tell he really liked the city of Ottawa. He liked playing for the Senators. Obviously, he gave birth to uh, his first son, Bo, there. And uh, you know, he did in his short time there plant some roots in that city. So I think it goes a little beyond money for Matt. And uh, yeah, I'm just gonna be hoping he does end up resigning. I heard a rumor. And actually, uh, I saw it on Twitter. I don't know if it counts as a rumor. Would Montreal resign? Or not resign. Would Montreal be looking to sign Matt Duchesne with the space they have, and being French Canadian? I don't know. Is he going to give him a meeting like John Tavares? Ouch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, I th- the Montreal Canadiens definitely do need a centerman. Um, I'm not sure if Matt Duchesne is the fit there. Like I, I think on paper he fits well there. I'm not sure if Matt Duchesne how interested he is in Montreal. I think the Montreal should definitely take a run at him, but. Um, you want to be giving Kakanyemi important minutes in a couple of years, and uh, you want you're going to have Matt Duchesne there, and the, I believe Montreal's got another couple centermen in the pipeline. Uh, you've who was the uh, World Junior MVP? Uh, Ryan Paling. Ryan Paling, right? Nick He's, Suzuki, but I I see Nick Nick Suzuki as more of a winger, just the way he he plays. So um, I'm not too sure, but I, I have a feeling I feel like Duchesne would fit better in the way Montreal plays, and there's the there's the idea that 
every team that Duchesne goes to becomes bad. I think people jump to conclusions way too quickly with the Nashville thing, uh, or the Columbus thing, rather, sorry, um, when they went one and three as soon as he went there. I don't think that's on Duchesne. I think any time no, a player of that caliber is acquired, there's going to be some systematic Well, I think, I think it was the turnover there. They, they got rid of and they brought in so many different players that there's obviously yeah. going to be an adjustment. Yeah, there's going to be systematic adjustments, and it's going to be it's going to be a shift. So I wouldn't put that on Matt Duchesne, but I definitely see Duchesne in Montreal as a possibility as they do have space, and if they can find shed some cap by dumping someone such as Alsner um, or Andrew Shaw, then they're already well over 10 mil right now. So I, I think there's there's definitely room for improvement. But again, it just kind of goes against, um, like we talk about almost every show, the way they're rebuilding or resetting on the fly and how, how flawed it sort of is in their approach. Yeah, I think um, something like that, um, it does spell trouble sometimes because the Montreal Canadiens, like we said, there is potential flaw in the rebuild or the retooling whatever you want to call it we saw it with minnesota um and how they spend spent big at the 2012 free agency on both ryan Suter and zach parisi i'm not suggesting the montreal canadians are going to go dish out that kind of cash on two guys but sometimes a contract like that like a matt duchene one if the Habs were to give him a seven-year deal that max deal at an eight to an eight and a half million and say this retooling of sort does not work out, that's the kind of contract that can get a GM fired. And it's a big risk for Mark Bergevin. You're really relying on this season for the Habs not being a one-off, and you're going to be wanting that team to take a step forward next year. And I think a lot has gone right for the Canadians this year. Mm -hmm. So say things sort of revert back to what they were, how they were playing last year. Um, I think a Matt Duchesne contract could spell some sort of trouble for them. But obviously, I think it's worth a look. Now, yeah. Patrick, as, um, as <laughs> already sighing, uh, are you, as a Montreal fan, are you just, are you saying Matt Duchesne because he's an elite player and you think, you know, Montreal needs an elite player? Or are you saying Matt Duchesne because you honestly think he could fit in? Both. I think I think I think Matt Duchesne would fit in perfectly in Montreal. I think the way they're approaching their system with speed and skill has been a nice change over the past couple of years, especially when we the way we saw Tarion handle his players and the players he liked to acquire. And also, just I, I don't know what I what way I want this team to go because part of me still wants them to go in a little bit. Um, they have Weber, who's obviously way past his prime, but he, there's still some good hockey left in him. Price, I don't want to waste the prime or the sort of the latter half of their prime. Um, in the midst of a rebuild. So if they could get Duchesne and, and maybe sort of make a playoff push, but I'm not sure that's the whole point with, with my frustration with this team is there's I don't know what direction they're trying to go because you can't... I don't understand signing Price long-term, signing we- or acquiring Weber, who has an atrocious contract, and then having a bunch of young guys in the system. It just seems kind of backwards to me. It's like either you, you, you sell young assets and, and you go all in now, or you get rid of your older assets for younger assets, but it, it's just too much of a mix. Um, which is why, as a Habs fan and most Habs fans, there's this like smidge of false hope that for some reason you think it might get better if they just add this player. But I think everyone's th- like that. Yeah, but this team has been a few pieces away for however many years now, and it's just at a certain point where it's it's a. It's oh, a, sorry. Montreal's been a few pieces away for a few years. For <coughs> past seven years, since Bergevin was since Bergevin. You really charge. think Montreal is just a few pieces away? That's what. That's like what I'm said. not. No, but the, the the that's not my that's not my my take. It was just that oh well, they just need a center, they just need a defenseman, and then they they made okay. sort of either lateral moves or they just Bergevin got like he just got 
robbed in trade. So <laughs> it's I don't know. It's it's a rough situation. I feel like we say this every single week, but I don't know. I don't know anything. I don't know where this team's going. I don't know what they're trying to do. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's really a <clears throat> concrete plan for Mark Bergman there. I think at this point, he's sort of almost making moves just to hope he doesn't make one colossal mistake that gets him fired. Mm-hmm. I think. Well, he- that's kind of how I see. I mean, I don't think we intended to talk about Duchesne de Montreal, but I feel like Duchesne de Montreal would sort of be a move just to make a move. I don't know. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, it, for the. Montreal Canadiens adding a centerman just for the sake of adding a centerman right now would be the worst mistake they could make. I think the most important thing for that organization now that's going to set the course of the next decade is Jesperi Kotkaniemi's development. And if they get that wrong, then this team, like, they're done. They're finished. They're going to have to blow everything up. And that won't happen till Price and Weber are gone, which is like years down the road. You're going to be where the Senators are right now. I don't know if you can rely on someone like Isperi Kotkaniemi. He's he's good. He's not that good. He's a top pick, lots of pedigree. I the scouts. I, I know Corey Pronman of The Athletic is very high on Isperi Kotkaniemi, but then again, you had multiple other uh, sources like Craig Button, who's always reliable for prospects, mm-hmm. and he had him closer there uh, on the farther end of the top 10 range in at the start of the year he was 15th and he climbed to three and there were a few scouts who said he's going to be third or fourth and you're going to see he's the best center in the, he's not going to be he's not a, a tier one center i think he's a he's a he's a tier two number one center if that makes sense and i think i think it's too much we don't know for sure and we won't know until five years down the road when he's fully developed if montreal handles his development properly i think but you have to you have to remember a bunch of aspects here <coughs> And I've said this a million Co- times. He just turned 18, for starters. Okay. All right. He's outproducing Barkov when Barkov was the same age, and he's still younger than Barkov was at 18 when Barkov started playing. Um, his game has been unbelievable for Montreal. Uh, off- offensively, we want to see more, but the chances I, are I there. I agree. He's a good player, but I don't think you can you can count on him to build your organization around. Why not? Unless, unless the rookie that you've brought in, and you guys are going to hate me for saying this, unless he's playing and producing, like someone gonna, like Elias Pettersson, ha- I okay, don't but, think you can count but on. Pettersson's also him. older, and I don't know why. Why I don't know why those two are always being compared anyway. Yeah, I, I don't know how much I agree with that, bros. Um, for me, I think Elias Pettersson's sort of an anomaly of sort, as in he's played. How old is Elias Pettersson? Twenty. Twenty. Okay, so he played. How many after his draft year? What two full seasons in Sweden? So he played his draft year all in Sweden, professional, and then last year played a full okay, season so of professional. Regardless, hockey. though, then looking at Kotkaniemi's age, I don't think you okay. Not looking at his production. I don't just understand why these it, two are always being compared, though. Why, why is Kotkaniemi being compared to to Elias Pettersson? They weren't the same draft year. They're not the same age. They're they they play completely different styles of hockey. It's two young and centermen. It's, it's not. It's on Canadian teams, like that's, sure, that's the but only line. He, he I can continues draw. to have the highest scoring chance, high high danger chance, slot passes, and shot differentials of any Habs forward this year. And I just think that okay, not even in relation to Pedersen. I just don't think you can right now. I don't think you can you can count on him. I think I think something we don't talk about too. With it, I I think I agree with some of the points you're making about Kakanyemi and how he is, how the points aren't quite there. But the play is, I think one thing you have to take into account, though, is the sheltering of his minutes. I think yes. he does not play against they very high competition. Him. What? 
I, I, we, I don't want to get into well, that. Okay, well, we can get into that later. But the the main point is, I think you whether it's my position or your position, I can't say a hundred percent that he's going to be the player Montreal is going to rely on at eighteen years old, and I don't think anyone else can say he's the player Montreal won't have to rely on, or you can't say that he's not. Don't rely on him at eighteen. Years I'm old. saying right now, if I were if I were Why? in control of that team, I wouldn't be relying on him. Yeah, because he's eighteen. So. No, because you made it seem like down the road they won't be able to rely on him. And I think at 26 Nobody can really speak to that. Yeah, that's my point. So we can't say he will be the one to rely on or he will... No, don't rely on him because he's 18. But down the road, I think a 25-year-old, the Asperi Kokaniemi, is going to be a very dominant center. And I think there's a reason he climbed and there's a reason he there was so much so much attention towards him. But let's move on because I'm getting heated. So. Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. That was getting That was getting to be a little bit much. Um... Okay, did we want to talk about uh, sort of one of the more controversial topics of the week? Uh, Austin Watson being reinstated by the National Hockey League and the National Hockey League Players Association. That was announced yesterday, I believe. Um, I think March 18th. Yeah, we can make this quick. Do you have the release? Uh, I have it up here. Yeah, Yeah. if you want to read it. it. For immediate release, March 18th, 2019. The National Hockey League and NHLPA announced today that National Predators forward Austin Watson has been returned to available status and has entered the follow-up care phase of the Substance Abuse and Behavioral Health Program. Watson's care continues to be administered pursuant to the NHL-NHLPA SABH program. So I think um, we all have the same opinion on this. I don't think Austin Watson should be playing in the NHL anymore. Um, I think with the abuse towards his girlfriend or wife or whoever, um, I think that we've seen enough of that with Slava Voinov. Same thing with him. He was rumored to want back in the league. Um, alcoholism and drugs, that's a different thing. That's a different story. I'm sure he needs help. And I think it's good to see he's doing the the right thing by going to rehab. Um, but I think with off-ice stuff such as abuse, I think it, it's it's a bad look for him, obviously. And it just doesn't do Nashville any good by by sort of supporting the the possibility of him coming back into the lineup. And I just think there's there's no there's no use for that. Yeah. I, I know he's made available. Is he? Is there pretty certainty that he's going to return to action? There's nothing pointing towards that he wouldn't. I know he was skating, but well, he the the fact that I I think the fact that he was playing for them this year points towards uh, it's likely that he's probably going to suit up for them again this season and into the playoffs. Um, yeah, for me, like you said, Patrick, I think uh, I don't think he really should have been playing again in the first place. I think it was a little inappropriate that he was. Uh, allowed to continue playing for the Predators. I think it, it looks bad on the NHL and it looks bad on the Nashville Predators for allowing him to play when such serious allegations against him are uh, right there. And, you know, while the alcoholism and the drug use, he's been pretty vocal about it online, on his Twitter and other social medias. He's been pretty vocal about his struggles, which is, that's a positive thing. But uh, I hope he does get the treatment that he does need, clearly, for the alcoholism and drug abuse. But I think it just looks bad on the NHL right now to allow him to play, even though he's been through, I think it was some sort of care program from the NHL that they sponsor. I think we've seen this with Slava Voinov. Like, and uh, I think Semyon Varlamov also had yeah, some allegations was, yeah, against him at one point. Sure, yeah. So, I, again, I think if you're going to ban Slava Voinov, I think like you, you, the NHL has to have some sort of policy against this because it happened with Varlamov a few years ago and it's happening with Watson now while these very, very serious things are alight. 
we're still letting these players continue to play. Like, we've seen it in the NFL this year. There were a couple of players. I'm not much of a football fan, but I know enough that there were a couple of players, I believe both playing for uh, Kansas City, that were released. And they were good players, too, just based on allegations and things that came to light against both players. And I think the NHL needs to have sort of a similar culture with regards to no tolerance for that kind of behavior and allegations. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think there's can, much to, there's on, much yeah. to debate on that. Um, I think we're going to cut now into sort of our roundtable of some of the Canadian teams. Uh, Luke, did you want to start with the Vancouver Canucks this week? They're making a push. Uh, yeah, so up until uh, maybe 24 hours ago, I would have... Um, you know, been content with where they're sitting now, just kind of slowly float down to the bottom of the league. Um, before we get into that, though, Pedersen is the highest scoring rookie in franchise history, passing Halinka and Burre to reach 61. Anyway, um, nine games remaining there, sitting six points out of a playoff spot. They just won um, their back, both games of their back to back. I I know it's it's false hope. I know it's just gonna break my heart in the end. But I am totally all in on the playoff push. So yeah, they're they're gonna have to streak. They don't they don't have to win out. Um, they're gonna have to get lucky. But I don't know. I think it's possible. Yeah, I don't think there's much more you can hope for right now than like a consolation playoff spot because they're pretty middling right now. The Vancouver Canucks and honest, probably if I was in this position too, I'd prefer the Senators. Uh, to streak and luck into the playoffs at this point. As I'd love to, to see it'll just finish if they make there. second wild card spot. Vancouver yeah. Calgary first round. That's, yeah. I mean, I'm still rooting for the Arizona Coyotes to snag it. Uh, they lost last night to the Tampa Bay well, Lightning when they but they're clinched. still they're still in a yeah, but they they are still in there. So against, they're matched up against Calgary right now, which I think we talked about last week. I had Arizona making it. Yeah, there, so there's some Minnesota re- in the playoffs. There's some really good playoff series yeah. right now. If the if the playoffs were to start today, I'd be pretty pretty content with some of the series we got it's get this year i think is going to be like just a hell of a playoff series yeah. like a, a hell of a first round yeah um all right pat did you want to yeah i'll, to I'll try and keep this relatively um yeah, short there's a, there's as a I, lot written down here. as i just uh so yeah i'll try to keep this relatively short as i was very um animated about the kokanami debate but right now montreal is three points out of a playoff spot trailing i believe columbus um they play philadelphia tonight um at this point, I think I'm still mixed. I think it would be a solid move for um, the future of the team to miss the playoffs and start losing, get a better pick. But um, I don't want this team to miss the playoffs. We're going to talk third, about that in the a second, third time so. um, in the last four seasons. So I think it would be a huge waste of a really good season if they yeah. were to miss the playoffs at this juncture. And um, if they miss, they're going to miss one or two spots out. Right yeah. where you don't yeah. want to be. So yeah, I guess I guess it would be nice because I, I miss playoff hockey, especially in Montreal. But the main thing I'm seeing is with Claude Julian and what's happening with a lot of coaches. Um, sort of like Claude Julian is when the team is on a high, things keep going. But then when they hit a struggle, um, the coaches tend to revert back to old sort of old school um, tactics. We're seeing uh, Jordan Wheel. The um, he was acquired for Michael Chaput. Um, earlier on this season he has been playing like 15 20 minutes a night um, despite being on the fourth line just Jesperi Kukaniemi who we talked about earlier is getting no ice time not just being sheltered but like he played like two minutes in one period same thing with Jonathan Drouin um, and I'm not sure why because when Montreal was high and flying when they beat they had tremendous games against Washington against Winnipeg they were a team with speed and skill and they were uh, 
could roll four lines and I don't know why this seems to be a thing for coaches to just when it's when they're struggling they they bulk up the fourth line and they throw the fourth line out there to crash and bang and I thought Claude Julian was above this so I think it's up to him to really sort of if he wants to right the ship then he needs to make the proper decisions in order to get this team actually to the playoffs and play Kokaniemi more and play the younger guys play the skilled guys and, and enough of this um so recently when Kokaniemi was rested uh you're against that yeah why do you think he did it he said he hit a wall offensively but I'm not sure what he's looking for I think I don't know what people are looking for 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 his his uh his his, his yeah, offensive production. I, I, think, I, think, I think the expectations for Kakaniemi are a little all over the place, and they have been all season. I mean, I think I think thirty two points in what seventy something games. I think that's fine for an eighteen year old. Yeah, he's going to produce more. And the same thing with Jonathan Drew. I wrote about it last week. Like he's no matter what, even though he's struggling, he's still breaking his personal records every single year. He broke fifty points this year. I think next year he'll be a sixty point guy, and who knows where where he'll keep going. Yeah, I think Drew's hitting sixty next year. Yeah, I think Drew can hit sixty. Yeah, e- even if Max Domi reverts back to uh, Max how Max Domi, Domi normally is. <laughs> how Max. Do- uh, yeah, I th- I think there's there's a there's an effort there, and um, I think it's possible for Drew to hit sixty. But I also think much like Kokaniemi, the expectations for Drew. People had him coming in as the panacea, as the savior to sort of save his team, and he's not. That's not what he is. He's a good player. He's not a superstar, but I don't think it's unreasonable to say he'll reach sixty points. But basically, if Montreal wants to make the playoffs, Claude Julien needs to start doing the right thing and playing his skilled guys. And enough with the Nicola Delorier uh, experiment on the fourth line. I'm tired of it. I, I think there's a little bit too much expectation from Montreal fans on Jonathan Duran to be a play driver because I don't think he is that. No, I think not. Jonathan Duran is like. In terms of complementary players, like he's an elite complementary player, like yeah. he's a very good complementary player. I think there's just a bit. I think they should tamper expectations a little bit because I think at 23 years old, like this is sort of where you want to see him now, how good he's going to be. And I don't think he's quite a play driver. Not to say that he can't become one, because you know, 23 years old, we see guys blossom all the time after that age. Yeah. But uh, I think if this or say like he hits 60 points next year i think that's like i think that's reasonable for a ceiling for jonathan Duran. i think he's the most frustrating player to watch on that team because when he's on he is the best player on the ice by far and when he's off it looks like it's his first game in the nhl yeah and it's uh but yeah that's sort of montreal's situation right now um nick is there anything to talk about for ottawa yeah um So before I dive right into Ottawa, I just wanted to mention, so we talked about Matt Duchesne earlier, um, the possibility of him resigning. Uh, some interesting tidbits uh, surrounding the initial trade that brought him to Ottawa. So obviously Colorado is probably looking their chops right now, just dreaming about that uh, first overall pick and what it can be. I think we've all accepted that it very well could happen. There's a good chance it does. Uh, one of the more interesting tidbits, though, is uh, in that trade, so it doesn't get talked about as much. Uh, I know it did initially. Uh, Kyle Turris went to the Nashville Predators. Ottawa shipped him off to, so that Nashville could provide Colorado with assets that Ottawa couldn't for Matt Duchesne. And uh, yeah, Kyle Turris has been a healthy scratch two times this week. He's having really? he's having a pretty uh, brutal year. He was on the fourth line for a while. Um, I always thought Kyle Turris was a solid second line player. Yeah, and uh, you know initially people thought. Um, when Matt Duchesne started very, very slow in Ottawa and Kyle Torres came blazing out the gates for the Preds, uh, I think a lot of people thought that Ottawa paid all that just for like a lateral move. Yeah. And I think people really underestimated um, 
you know, Kyle Torres was playing with the top players in Ottawa. He was playing with Mike Hoffman. He was playing with Mark Stone. And those guys, I think, really uh, bloated his point totals sometimes. And uh, Matt Duchesne obviously started slow, but then he became as good as we all know Matt Duchesne is. Yes. And uh, to see Kyle Torres now a healthy scratch, so he's got 22 points in 46 games this year. That's not terrible. Yeah, that's not terrible. It's not terrible. At all. But no, it's not what you expected. It's not, Kyle it's, Turris, not, no. it's not what you want for a guy who's making $6 million for this year and five more after it. Like, that's where it gets concerning for me if I'm a Nashville Predators fan. Kyle Torres is a good hockey player. He's just a solid contributor you know what you're going to get with Cal Torres that's why I always liked a very safe player you know he's good for about 50 points somewhere around there I think I think scratching Torres I mean from what it looks like I think that was more an attempt to send a message to Torres not so much just because he wasn't the best available player. I, gotta, I gotta look up the Nashville lines quick but uh I think they're uh I don't know their centers it, yeah, I, I'm not sure how much some of the guys they've been playing ahead of Turris are, like how much better they are, um, really. But I, it might be, could always just be a message thing. You know, sometimes so. a player like that needs just a kick in the pants. All right, so right now, their four lines were, uh, their four centermen, Johansson, Benino, Sissons, and Turris listed on the fourth line here. So he's going in tonight. I think they were playing Brian Boyle there when he was scratched, and then they were playing Zach Ronaldo in the lineup. So that's already, okay. like, that's a pretty big Dent to the lineup. I don't mind Brian Torres Boyle. Ronaldo. He's no. a fine fourth line center. Yeah, no, they, I, I, that that's not the part that I'm saying. It's Zach Ronaldo going in for Kyle Torres. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm enough. not sure how that's going to propel you to victory, <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think uh, in terms of Senators' news, I think most of uh, the fans were just pretty happy to get a uh, win against a big rival. They uh, beat the Toronto Maple Leafs on Did Saturday, six to two. Yeah, that was. Uh, that was quite something to see. Um, Toronto's having a bad week. Yeah, we'll get to that right after. I think we okay. should touch on that right after. But, um, yeah, the Senators looked really good in that game. Uh, probably the first time I'd seen them play quite like that in months. Um, Magnus Payarvi has been a bit of a thorn in the Leafs' side this year, weirdly. Um, I was jokingly calling him the Leafs' assassin on Saturday night, and that irked quite a couple of mm-hmm. Leaf fans. But, uh, yeah, I think all eyes right now are just pointing towards uh, the future. And, you know, fans want to see the young players. Belleville playing really good right now in the AHL. So I think that's really exciting for Senators fans. And I think all eyes are going to slowly shift towards the coaching situation. Um, Mark Crawford has, there's been a bit of improvement in the team since Mark Crawford took over. I, you usually see that after a coaching change. I don't want them to make the mistake of hiring Mark Crawford permanently. No. But, um you know, I think Cody Cece has played his best stretch of games of the season since Mark Crawford took over, which is interesting. And uh, watching a prospect like Christian Willanen blossom uh, under Mark Crawford has been pretty cool to see. Well, speaking of coaching, yesterday uh, Joel Quenneville was speaking to WGN-TV um, during the Alumni Charity Classic for Chicago. And he said he's in no hurry right now to come back coaching. I still think he wants to. Um could you see Ottawa hiring Joel Quinnenville? Yeah, there's no chance. Okay. There, there's no chance. He, uh, <laughs> there's no chance. In, in maybe in a fantasy or some sort. I think there's no chance. You well, see I'm trying Joel to think Quindle of other teams that are, that are that are that are looking for a coach. That are looking for coaches like desperately. Like, Ottawa needs a new coach. For me, my odds-on favorite. I think he's gonna end up in Philadelphia. I think they have the money to spend on a coach. They have good ownership there. And I think they are, um, we talked about teams that are a couple pieces away. I think they are, um, 
if Carter Hart is the real deal and he plays good next year, I think that team can be very dangerous, the Philadelphia Flyers. That's a big if. It is a big if. It's a competitive division they're in, too. Um, but just like any team, they need good goaltending, and they, quite frankly, haven't gotten it past couple years, I think. I had big expectations for the Flyers this year. I thought after, la- uh, after uh, was it last year they made the playoffs? No, Against it wasn't P- last. And they faced Pittsburgh. Oh, was it last year? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. But um, yeah, that team they like they've got a solid core there. They've got still young players coming up. I think Morgan Frost, Morgan Frost, going to be in the lineup next year, and he's a top prospect. Yeah. So, I think they're a team to watch. I think Joel Quenville would be a fantastic ad for that team. That would be my guess. Uh, did we want to touch quickly on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the week they've had? Um, well, we'll keep it. We'll keep it brief. I think Toronto, and I hope there's a certain Leafs fan listening. I think Toronto's issue started on March 6th, following a 3-2 overtime loss to the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> um, since then, they've lost to Tampa. Can't blame them. Chicago, uh, Ottawa, yikes! Um, <laughs> and then their 7-6 win nice over person. Philadelphia. I mean, the 7-6 win is a 7-6 win. Six goals against. I Toronto has some major underlying issues that they need to figure out before the playoffs. <laughs> All right, I think let's pump, I, the, let's pump, I think, can I pump the brakes here a little bit? Okay, I think every team, no matter how good, with the exception of Tampa Bay Lightning this year, is going <laughs> through this. And I think the the way to get through this is to make sure in this sound this is gonna be all the cliches, but stay positive. And you have to the stay way stay positive, give them a pat on the back. The, the way your team responds to adversity um says a lot about the team and I think it's it's Toronto has to play through this. They're a lot better than this. Um, I don't think they're a contender quite yet. I think that'll be um, a piece away. But I don't think this is the real Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't think they're that bad. Um, and every team, every good team loses to a bad team like Ottawa and Vancouver yeah. every, once in a, every once in a while. Yeah, I, I, I um, like there's, there's been like 20 saps this year that have lost to Ottawa. I, I don't know how you lose to Ottawa. Toronto, Toronto's done it twice. I thought that's a reference point now. Everyone loses to Ottawa yeah, once in a while. Ottawa's kind yeah. of a reference point. Like, how, how do you lose to this <laughs> Ottawa team, especially 6-2? That's, that's just terrible. But um, That is terrible. At, at least the one they lost to in October had Stone, Duchesne, Dezingle. I, I don't know how you lose to that on Saturday, but I, you know what? I think just sort of this week, I think they, it's, I think it's just a little rough patch for them. But Nashville good. tonight, Buffalo tomorrow for Toronto. Yeah. Well, uh, there's po- there's positives for Toronto. Though. What Tavares hit? What was it? Forty. Forty goals. Forty goals. Forty goals. Yeah. That's so. not a positive within the week, though. Sure, that's a positive on the season, but that doesn't really have anything to do with. Well, this their, this week he had forty re- goals. He had forty goals this week. Oh, never mind. This yeah. week, he, this week he hit forty. You know, yeah, you know, I you gotcha. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I just think heading into the playoffs, I think this is sort of their defensive issues that I think everybody knows they have coming to full light here. But uh, as long as they can get it under wraps for the playoffs, they should be fine. And I mean, they're talking about, oh yeah, when when Gardner is back, everything's going to be saved. I, yeah, I think that's the part too. They've been I, pretty badly injured. I don't think Gardner's going to. Like sure, it'll be nice to have him back, but Gardner, Gardner's good. Gardner gone Gardner is, is not the root of your issues. <laughs> no, Gardner is good, and he gets a lot of crap for a player who is. Yeah, you know, I think the playoffs. Very solid. I think his series against Boston wasn't. I don't think that's. I well, I think just the game seven was. Terrible. Game seven was bad, but I don't think you can put the onus on. Yeah, Jake no, I, there's a lot. That's not fair to him. They they've had a. But he uh, was he was pretty. They, bad. They've been pretty <laughs> pretty bad, pretty injured. So. Let's, um, let's we'll on. see if they can get it under wraps. Uh, you know, we sort of see this sometimes with teams tanking into the playoffs, like they sort of just come to a full halt. But 
you know, all, all takes in the playoffs getting hot. So let's uh, let's, let's talk about the shift let's... topics. I, I I said the word tanking, <clears throat> and I know we wrote that down as a little thing we wanted to discuss today. Uh, Pat, did you want to start us off with a little conversation about tanking and the draft lottery? Yes. So the other one, this for the draft lottery purposes, should there be a limit to the amount of times a team? can win the draft lottery that was a topic and some gms reported to say they were on board which ties into the topic of tanking should teams deliberately lose um to force the rebuild and force young prospects uh luke over to you, you Mr. Rowe. no there shouldn't be a limit on how many times you can win the draft lottery that's the point of the draft lottery yeah, i mean no if it, no if, it's true but I if don't the want... system starts to get abused and i'm looking at the 2015 <laughs> buffalo sabers if the system starts to get abused then there's an issue but that's a separate issue the the draft lottery and how it works is like it's intentional. They're, okay, if, if about... a team if a team keeps winning the draft, Edmonton won the draft lottery. I mean, it's not Edmonton's fault. I they weren't explicitly um, having terrible seasons. I oh, don't Pat think. just did a simulator <laughs> and Edmonton I just, won. Yeah, I just did the simulator. Who won? Edmonton. Okay, yeah. So I mean, it's like it's it's not. It's not a poor system. There shouldn't be any restrictions. I understand the complaints and the annoyance about it, but that's how it's supposed to work. And unless someone's intentionally abusing the system, then... Okay, then what? If, how about this? What if the last 15 teams had the exact same odds? Why? Why yeah, I, I don't get the point to that. I that's think... been a proposal. That, that was talked about at the GM meeting. Look, if... Why? Like, how does that... Let, let's look at teams why. that miss the playoffs Patrick, right now. why? <laughs> Do... what? What's better for hockey right now? Is it the Chicago Blackhawks getting jack hughes or is it i don't know a dying franchise like detroit getting jack hughes? what what does hockey need more right now why would and you... i i think evening the odds for all 15 teams would erase that i think the teams that are at the bottom i agree with you bros i don't think there should be a limit and if they're going to impose a limit they damn well better do it after ottawa wins the draft lottery three or four times however um in general, I don't think there should be a limit at all because you it, fans pay the price when a team really goes to the bottom. I think the three people in this room right now know very well <laughs> what it feels like to be at the bottom of the league and hopeless. How much would it suck if you were to go through a season, say the Ottawa Senators had their first pick right now, how much would it suck to be this far deep at the bottom knowing that you have the same draft lottery odds as a team that missed the playoff yeah, by the one The system point. is a system for a reason. Sure, but okay, would you not? I feel like... Okay, no, then they shouldn't... There shouldn't be a limit to, to how many times you can win, but I just feel like the Edmonton situation, when you have all those first overall picks, and you just... It might, ruin, and you ruin it? It might Wait, seem like a waste. It? It, it might seem like a waste, and it might seem like you know what, Edmonton. Why are you doing this? You're you're ruining all this talent. But that's Edmonton's issue. That's not that's not an NHL wide issue. Yeah, I don't think you can pinpoint the issues of a certain lottery saga. I don't think you can blame all of hockey's problems on the Edmonton Oilers. You can blame a lot of hockey's problems on the Edmonton Oilers. I don't think the draft lottery is one of them. If you look at it since Edmonton picked for first overall for like the fourth time with McDavid. I think it's been fine each year. Uh, New Jersey won the year after, then Buff, Buffalo, no. yeah, then Buffalo, then no, has it no Toronto, then New Jersey, then Buffalo. Oh, okay, yeah. And then this year, I think it's been fine. I think the system's just fine. 
I, I think Fair. they're trying to cha- change things too much right now. That's true. So. The rule change. Then the, that was just proposed at the GM meeting, but that goes into a separate tanking-related conversation. Should teams tank? No. I think yes. No. Yes. No. I think yes. No. I like. I think yes. No. I think the Ottawa Senators should. Why not? Why like, shouldn't teams tank? Tanking well, is important. Like in the tanking is important. In it the is. big picture, <laughs> I understand that perspective, and I understand the importance sometimes because it works. But. But I don't believe in rooting for it. I don't believe, well, watching a game, I would never actively cheer for my team to lose. I would understand the well, benefits if they did, but while watching a game, I always want Vancouver to win. Like, t- Take just, it from somebody right now, I just don't watch the games. You just don't watch funny. them. <laughs> but there's also a certain point, like right now, I wouldn't want Montreal deliberately losing. I would understand the benefits to losing and getting a better pick by four spots. But when you're at a point like Montreal was last year, and... They were almost last. They were second last in the league, and then they won five in a row or whatever. Vancouver did that. They were too. already eliminated from the playoffs. Why would you want them to win? Why, if they're already mathematically eliminated, what's the what just what good does it? do Maybe to you don't want them, them to, win? to win, but I don't think you should be wanting them to lose. Why? That, but, but when it you just actually, goes against. But when you actually go and do something the same way Toronto did, which is why I have a lot of issues with Montreal, is because that city can't handle an actual rebuild. There's this like sort of consistent line of mediocrity that this team's been riding for so long um what toronto did when they were okay when they were actually bad and for some reason there was hope but then when they said okay you know what we're gonna tank there's gonna be pain it's gonna suck for three years but you know what we're gonna be better they got matthews they have a plethora of young guys and now they're on the cusp of being one of the I'm, top contending teams in the league, and that works. And I'm I'd not rather, saying it doesn't work. And I'm I think just it, saying it, it does. That benefits the fans more, losing horribly for two seasons, three seasons, whatever, getting top picks, than what Haps fans are going through for what's probably going to be the next five, ten years of just the Minnesota Wild. Minnesota so, Wild. So, yes. let, let me just ask the question: the 2016 draft, the Canucks picked fifth overall. They picked Ali Ulevi, who, by all accounts, right now looks like. He's not supposed to be what everybody thought he was going to be. However, was that you were at, you're you're saying here you were at no point wishing towards the end of the season they'd lose a few extra games just so they can slip into that higher odds at drafting I get it. Austin I, Matthews or Patrick Lyon. I get it. I get you know. If you're we looking were, at it from the fans' perspective, not the long term success of the I team. I get thinking. Okay, would I rather be sitting thirty? I guess 30th in the league or 24th in the league, I would say 30th. But if you're sitting 24th in the league with 10 games remaining, I'm not going to, I'm not going to actively say, yeah, I don't want Vancouver to win. Like they're my favorite team, but I want them to lose every single game from here on out. I'm going to cheer against them in every single game I watch. I just, I don't believe in that. Okay, I, th- I think it's too much of an emphasis on the fan perspective than it is on the actual outcome of the team. And, yeah, and, I- and the fact that it works no matter, no matter what, unless such as Edmonton, when it worked as in you got a good player, but you made poor trades and signings and acquisitions, all that stuff, then it's separate. But I would rather two years of pain for long-term success than 10 years of mediocrity and pretending that this, that's I just don't think two years of intentional pain is... I don't, there's anything wrong. I don't think there's anything wrong with what watching, I'm not saying it doesn't work. Wanting to watch your young players play while wanting to lose, while not caring about the result or hoping to lose the hockey game. I don't think there's anything. Uh, I think we want to. Yes. That was uh, good. I think we want to talk about Mark Giordano very yes, quickly. Yes, we're running out of... No uh, one's talking about the Calgary Flames. Yes, Calgary. So we're running out of time. Um, the Calgary Flames are the second best team... Best team in Canada. In Canada. Um, record of 44, 21, and 7. 
Um, no one seems to be talking about Mark Giordano at all. He has 67 points in 70 games. Um, he's one of the best patches in the game, in yep. my view. Uh, I feel like he's been underrated for quite some time. He's 35, and I just feel like no one has talked about his game at all. Um, some stats, he has completed the fourth most offensive zone passes of all defensemen in this season. That's higher than anyone else except for Nick, Eric Carlson. Yay. Um, in all positions, he would rank 65th among forwards equal to players such as Max Domi and Mark Shifley, which is just unbelievable. Um, I think he, he's my pick for the Norris. Yeah, mine definitely. too. Um, really? Yeah, mine too. Not uh, not your buddy in San Jose. Who Eric Carlson? No, he's been injured too much. I think okay, he sorry. definitely would be if he played a he, if he played the stretch of the season. But yeah, so I think I think Calgary could upset some teams definitely. Um, they're gonna, they're gonna have a pretty easy first round matchup if if they end up facing the second wild card. Like they're gonna have yeah, it. They're gonna, I think the series against either San Jose or Vegas that's gonna be just one of the series of the playoffs for sure. I have hot take because the show's about to wrap up i have calgary potentially going to the cup final i don't think that's a hot take i think that if things continue the way they are i think they can definitely see it they've got goudreau monahan uh kachuk lindholm and giordano just willing them right now so i think uh yeah calgary any last thoughts bros on that i think that's kind of a hot take who's your pick in the west just quick oh wait no wait hang on mine's nashville Mine's Nashville or Calgary. It's gonna it's gonna come from the central. Mine's not San Jose. We'll, we'll do Nashville we'll do Calgary. cup picks. Mine's Nashville one thing. or Winnipeg. I like Winnipeg. Again. I've said San Jose from the very start. So uh, I'm, I'm giving up on them. them for the past two years. I've had Nashville, so you know what? I'm gonna stick with Nashville. All right. Well, we that was Winnipeg productive. Boston. Are we done? Yeah, we're <laughs> we done. Stopped. All right. That sounds good. Uh, yesterday uh, was the uh, GTA or OHL. Uh, minor hockey cup final uh, Don Mills Flyers were victorious we're going to talk about it next week we're going to do a full prospects week so uh, 